1: Here on CBS Sports, that's Danny Canal. I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash the like. Join us in the chat, which is one great place for you to get your questions in. That's right, it is Thursday. It is an episode of the big old bag of mail. For those of you who left a five-star review and then put your question in that review, we're going to hit some of those today. For those who reached out on social media, we called for questions on Twitter. We got a couple of those. And then, yes, all throughout the show, we will be answering questions in the chat. We'll also be looking ahead to uh, spring games coming up this weekend. We got Alabama, Notre Dame, Colorado, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, and more. So... Danny, let, let's dive right in. Of the teams that are going to be out there, what, what's one that's uh, that's got your attention when you're starting to think about what we'll be talking about on Monday?
2: I mean, we have to we have to say it, don't we? Like as Colorado. much as I don't want to, Colorado, right? I mean, it kind of has to be. That's and I think there will be something. There will be something that happens. Like I I I think if you see uh Shador Sanders, like let's say Travis Hunter, they pull him over to watch, which I do think they'll do. And they'll pull him over to wide receiver. They'll have a deep ball called for him. He'll hit it for a touchdown. And that'll be the lead play on ESPN for top you know, top 10 plays the weekend will be that. Because that's the type of exposure that Dion brings to this program. And it will be something that we'll be talking about. But I'm also curious to see. I mean, it's, it's going to be something we see all along. I'm not exhausted by it yet. I mean, a little bit when you see players, each player that earns his number gets announced. I get a little bit tired of it, but this is the first real look with Deion on the sidelines, coaching in action. Does he chew out anybody? Does he bench anybody? So yeah, that I think is all these other programs. Like, yeah, they have quarterback battles and we have some new coaches that I'm really excited about, but Colorado is the one, right? This off season they've dominated like Dennis Dodd told us the other day.
1: The the Shador Sanders not dealing with a lot of competition let let that be a an off day for Shador and watch all of a sudden that becomes a lot more interesting because uh, De- Deion Sanders came out at that opening press conference. Look, there's your starting quarterback right there. And he was fantastic in the Celebration Bowl, right? I mean, I, I didn't scout all of the Jackson State season. I know our guy Emory Hunt, he was all over it. He was telling me about the improvement year over year that Sanders had had. And so obviously eyes on Sanders right there, but the thing that Colorado does benefit from, because what would you hear sold out stadium? Not only are we going to be on national television, we got sold out stadium too. So when those touchdowns happen, the place is going to go nuts. And that is going to be the type of thing that uh, I think that you can feel uh, even when you're watching at home, it'll be interesting. And I mean, I'm sure they'll probably, I mean, I, I would expect
2: them to have a lot of recruits on campus. I mean, this is a big time to showcase what you can do. And I'm sure Dion and Colorado are no different. They'll have, you know, probably their their highest rated, highest sought after recruits on campus to get a feel for what it could be like because most people don't know what Colorado
1: could be like at its peak. And so this will give you a little glimpse. In Tuscaloosa, Alabama, there is an ongoing quarterback battle between Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow. We, of course, got to see Milrow a little bit last year. Ty Simpson, uh, a higher recruiting profile. But Danny, is there a door number three? <laughs> Is there a door number three for the Alabama Crimson Tide? Because, listen, you know, chat room bud, the message boards, 24-7 sports, things are spicy right yeah. now uh, when it comes to the Alabama quarterback position. Do you think that either of the quarterbacks that are there currently suiting up for the Crimson Tide, do you think that either any one of them will be able to put this buzz to bed with a good <sighs> performance? I have heard wild rumors before,
2: and you know what? some of them have consisted of, you know, Jim Harbaugh is coming back to Michigan and they come true, you know, and then there's been other like, And there are a bunch of them that start off and you're like, ah, oh, no, really? And then it happens. So like the rumors that are out there, and these are totally rumors, nothing. I don't think there's any validity to it, but if somebody puts it in a chat room, it's worthy discussion. But I think you could start to connect the dots and say, and that's a lot of times what we can do is say, all right, well, Tyler Van Dyke, he was... And it was funny. I just went back and looked at a mock draft from right after last year's draft. And Tyler Van Dyke was a top five mock Mm -hmm. draft guy last year based on his first year starting in Miami. It was awesome. He was that good, and that was the perception of him. Then the coach that he was coaching for leaves. The coordinator that he was coaching for leaves. Comes back, doesn't play... You know, the team doesn't do well. Five and seven. It's not great. You know he gets dragged a little bit by his own fans for just speaking truthfully about the stadium situation. I'm sure that's in the back of his mind. So and there's still a lot of question marks. He another coordinator's fired, so he's on his third coordinator. And then yeah, I think the and so like yeah, I think Tyler Van Dyke, if the right situation unfolded, he'd be willing to listen. I think he'd be crazy not to. And then if you go to the Alabama side of things, you're like Jalen Milrow. We saw a little bit of him. Right. I don't know if any of us believe that he's the right guy to run in Tommy Reese's system. And then you got Ty Simpson, who hasn't played a lick, and you're like, all right, if that competition isn't going well, they wanted Drake May really bad, right? We all know that. Well, who's another name that's out there that potentially may not be happy? It makes a lot of sense. So I think it kind of feels like maybe it's speculation that you could connect the dots, but it in this environment, absolutely nothing would shock me tyler van dyke if you were if you were advising tyler van dyke wouldn't you tell him like hello they've had 3 straight quarterbacks drafted in the first round you will compete for a national championship you will make more money like you'd be crazy not to at least entertain the idea
1: I'm so reckless that I'm going around looking for uh, Tyler Van Dyke's response here. And I find a fake Tyler Van Dyke Twitter account that says I'm 100% committed. And now I'm thinking about the Miami fan creating the fake Tyler Van Dyke Twitter account, Tyler Van Dyke Twitter account to be able to say, Don't worry, guys. Everything's cool. Because look, this absolutely could be just rumors, but there are rumors on the Miami side of things. Like there's like real concern right now. And so if I was advising Tyler Van Dyke, I would say you have to listen. I I would also say,
2: if there's nothing to this, you almost do need to the real Tyler Van Dyke account needs to step up quickly before these rumors run rampant.
1: That is what I'm looking for. I'm I'm looking for him to come out and be able to say, listen, we've got a platform for athletes unlike anything else. If there's nothing to this, because you know what else was a crazy rumor that I heard on a summer day? That USC and UCLA were joining the Big Ten. Right. I said, no way. In four oh, hours. Texas
2: SEC, same thing.
1: Like, all of a sudden, it, it goes. So, uh, yeah, if you're a Miami fan, I'm sure you are very interested in that. And then uh, for Alabama, for Alabama, now it stinks for these quarterbacks, honestly. Because if if Tyler Van Dyke stays at Miami, you're going to feel unsatisfied or not as excited for your quarterback play heading into the season. That was why I also thought about this. If one of the two of them plays awesome in the eight-a game, then at least as a fan, you could be like, all right, you know, whether whether we get TVD or not, at least we know we've got this. And because to your point, Simpson, man, five-star player, but we haven't seen anything. And so for him to come out and play well, I think would be really, really nice at least from the Alabama fan perspective.
2: Oh, if this rumor is not put to bed and they struggle, oh it'll get even louder. It absolutely will. And I do, I do think like clearly if you're Alabama, you can afford to you could even sell these guys on hey, we're just looking for depth, you know, we just, we just want you know like what what happens if? But I do think the fact that they were clamoring for for Drake May does show you that maybe they cuz they've they've seen both of these guys a lot. They've had them on the team like they know what their skill set is. There's always an advantage to bring in somebody who has more experience, who you know you've seen do it on the big stage. Like Drake may obviously had a full season. Tyler Van Dyke, if you go back and watch two years ago, you can picture yourself like, yeah, we could win with that guy. So like, it does make sense.
1: Um, Tommy Reese, the new offensive coordinator at Alabama. He arrives from Notre Dame, which will also be in action. Is Sam Hartman. Do we just pencil him in as the starter? Do you think he's out there and earn it? Yeah, no, I think he's – well,
2: I'm surprised they haven't gone – and that's another school I'm actually really excited about, the Luke Fickle Tanner Mordecai, where he's kind of been like, yeah, he's the leader. Different coaches will have different approaches, but I would – I mean, you talk about a shocker was if he didn't win the job. But it is a very unique system. Like, he's played in that slow mesh system at Wake Forest. It'll be a completely different-looking offense. But I would – I would, and I would think, too, if you're Marcus Freeman – like you should use the fact that you have Sam Hartman to lure other players to your school, like use that stability to your advantage, not a competition, but, hey, we've got a guy who leads the ACC and has played you know into all-time touchdown passes, and we're getting him. You know you've got a top five top ten quarterback in the country to come play alongside. So I'm a little bit surprised we haven't heard a more affirmative, hey, this is our guy. But I would expect even that locker room, they know.
1: Yeah, Andrew in the chat says, do you believe the reports that Tyler Buckner is neck and neck with Sam Hartman as the starting quarterback at Notre Dame or is Marcus Freeman and company trying to make Buckner stay so he has depth at quarterback? It's not a new play if he right. you know, wants to make... You know what was really competitive? Uh, the Texas job, according to Steve Sarkeesian, until the spring game was done and he said, Quinn Ewers is the starter. Do you know... So we saw the kid from
2: USC, uh, UNC the safety was name, Cameron Cameron Kelly. Yeah. So he went to, he transferred to Virginia in January and he's and already back Virginia. in the portal. Yes. He's already. so I mean, he was to say who went, Oh, i I still find it crazy to think that he's thrilled that Tommy Reese left. Cause I would imagine the, the offensive coordinator, the former quarterback is the guy you probably talk to quite a bit in your decision-making process. Like if it's not going great and he's not named the starter, I'd be kind of curious to see if there's an availability or an option that puts Sam Hartman back looking for somewhere else. I mean, I've, and I've heard two. Oh, uh, yes. yeah, you want juice, you want rumors. <laughs> but I mean, seriously. I, and here's the thing. Like, if you think poorly of these players for doing that type of thing, go listen to coaches. I mean, I, and I've obviously live in Florida, so I hear a lot of this coverage. It's not shots at our rivals. But Billy Napier, after the spring game, said, our quarterback room, we're looking to add. So he's basically putting a wanted sign right there out in the public saying, hey, any quarterback wants to come play here, we'd love to see you challenge Graham Mertz. Mario Cristobal, after their spring game, was asked about his entire roster. He said, do you think it'll look different? He said, yes, significantly. Coaches are shopping too. So like, if a player is shopping, I'm not going to blame him for doing it. And if a situation is unfolding that you're not happy with and your window is closing and you have availability where you can transfer, I mean, I, I'm not going to fault anybody for doing that. Especially, this is the ultimate example. If you did go there for Tommy Reese and then Tommy Reese leaves, I got, I'd be kind of ticked. I'd feel like, yeah. what the heck? So I think that's an interesting one to keep an eye on.
1: And haven't you, I've heard that from coaches more. I mean, coaches that have, um, I'll, I'll mention like Sonny Dykes, Mike Elko. I mean, just a few that I know that have said, we've been able to move all over the place with no restriction. And with how much money we're getting paid versus their compensation, at at least they should be able to have the same freedom of movement. And that's like, I never thought that we'd hear like power five coaches uh, be in that position where they are saying like, you know what, this makes my life harder, but that's what the money's for and be totally on board with, uh, with that game just the whole freedom of movement. All right. So what yeah. else we have? Colorado. We said Colorado, we hit Alabama, Notre Dame, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Wisconsin. Uh, you mentioned Tanner Mordecai, Mordecai um, and Luke fickle. Is that the one that's on your, on your radar Yeah, today? That one to
2: me, because I think it's such a significant shift and maybe it's more part of, I want to see what Wisconsin's offense looks like with Mordecai and with, um, Phil Longo coming in there, being a more open, throw the ball down the field type of offense. I'm excited about that. I also still like I was one of probably if you had list your favorite moves like potential of what it could be and success. Luke Fickle, you know, who did, by the way, get a head start by coaching in the bowl game, you know, like saying, hey, I don't I don't care if I'm the interim guy. I want to coach my players. I'm the coach now that type of mentality. I've seen him, you know, calling out players for missing practice. And hey, we have a mentality where if you're a little nicked up, you don't need to sit out like he's He's preaching some things that I think need to be preached there at Wisconsin and I think he also inherits a pretty good situation that you know it's not a program that has completely fallen off it's a program that kind of perennially was at least in the hunt for the division and oftentimes playing in the Big Ten championship game they've I I'm, I'm excited to see what it all looks like with Luke Fickle at Wisconsin.
1: I mean he's every single time uh, we are influenced by the way that coaches talk to us and talking to Luke Fickle is great. Yeah. He's honest. He, he doesn't seem like he's working on a script. He seems like he listens. Um that's a, that is a coach who, you know, we had penciled in as a potential candidate for job after job after job after job, finally ends up taking the Wisconsin job, a program that while we in the modern era have come to know it as being, you know, great, historically this is its greatest period of success. You know, there was a long time in Big 10 history where it wasn't competing for championships the way that it has now. And now Luke Fickle gets his chance to be able to maintain that standard in Madison. Coming up on the other side, we open up the big
3: old bag of mail, starting with Dark Horses for every Power 5 conference next
1: Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, Scott from the big old bag of mail says, Hey guys, love the show. My mailbag question is, as of right now, who do you guys have as your dark horse team in each of the Power 5 to win their conference? This includes Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, SEC, and Pac-12. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks.
2: So when we say dark horse, are we, I mean, I'm assuming we're looking for TCU like that type of dark horse, or is it just non top two or three favorites?
1: I said non top two or three favorites with a chance to be able to really make a run at it. And it's not even uh, like, for example, my big 10 dark horse is Iowa and the big 10 dark horse of Iowa is like, okay, it's not Ohio state. It's not Michigan. It's not Penn state, but we know the defense is going to be great. And if, if, if Cade McNamara is able to get 25 points per game of offense and Brian Ferentz is able to have one of his most successful seasons yet, then yeah, I could see Iowa, you know, being out there and playing for a big 10 championship and maybe even being competitive. So yeah, I I was using non top two, three for this one. Okay. So you had
2: Iowa for the big Mm 10. I'll go with the team. I was just talking about Wisconsin. Like I think they're a great dark horse pick similar to Sonny Dykes coming in, you know, year one, you know, I think there are some similarities. You could peg a totally new look on offense. I like the quarterback with all the experience he's got. I think the mental, you know, the, the toughness that Luke Fickle brings to the defense side of the ball. Uh, I think Wisconsin could shake some things up there too. Um, but ultimately, like I think, what Penn State people might uh, pick as a dark horse, I think that'd be a really good option too. Oh yeah, yeah. Like if you know, like, but I, I was trying to go a little bit deeper under the radar.
1: Um, for the ACC, I had Louisville. Seems that's like North Carolina seems too easy. I've got yeah. like, like Florida state Oh, sorry, is North Carolina, your
2: dark horse. Yeah, but I, I get like there, are clearly, I think it's going to be. I think Clemson, I think people, I think if, if Garrett Riley wasn't hired, I think Florida state might've, might've been about a 50, 50 split like media days. What's the votes. I think with Garrett Riley getting hired, I think it'll probably go 70, Twenty-eight percent Florida State and like two percent others. Like so, mm-hmm. And I think in, I think Louisville might be one that you'll see somebody pick. So I I think I could totally see it. But I think North Carolina with Drake May coming back. I mean they were nine and one last year when he put them on their on their back. But I also like when I saw the mock draft this morning. You have to put yourself back a year ago. There are some similarities. And as much as I like Drake May, like losing Phil Longo. Having Chip Lindsey in there, looking in the portal, seeing some more guys leave on the defensive side of the ball. Like, I just wonder if there could and and by the way, watching the the way the season finished for Drake May when the competition got a little bit tougher, like I'm also well aware that, that could be a possibility. But I like him a lot. Um, so I'm gonna go with them as that dark
1: horse pick, regardless of all that. Who would you do in the SEC?
2: All right, so it can't be, let's say who it can't be. It can't be Georgia. It can't be Alabama. Is that it? Is anybody else a dark horse, or can it not be Tennessee? Like, who else can it not be? It can't be LSU then, right? Because LSU won the division last year and played for the title.
1: I know. (laughs) That's So it can't be those three? And it's not going to be Florida, and it's not going to be Missouri, and it's not going to be Kentucky, and it's not going to be, it might be, no, it's not going to be Vanderbilt. (laughs) Is it? So this is what I came back. I came down to Auburn and Ole Miss where, you know, Auburn is the same thing as Louisville where I'm thinking about a dark horse. You're coming out of nowhere. And part of the reason you come out of nowhere is you've got a new head coach, but you also maybe catch everybody off guard, hit the ground running, um, and find yourself in the mix. I don't think that Auburn is going to be playing for the championship on the first Saturday in December. But do I think that Auburn could be a big surprise story at the beginning of November? where it's like hey look all you got to do is win this game and this game and you could be right there in the mix. I could see all that happening at Auburn and Ole Miss is just like a total wild card with the quarterback situation, Pete Golding taking over as defensive coordinator. Defense wasn't good last year. So if no. he fixes that, then you know maybe we start to see this thing advance just a little bit.
2: I like the Ole Miss play. Um like, it's hard to envision the quarterbacks that we saw in the spring game at Auburn. I know the conditions were bad, but it's hard to envision them really blowing up. At Ole Miss, I could see Jackson Dart figuring it out in that system, making a big jump. I could see Walker Howard living up some of the hype, and I could see Spencer Sanders who played a ton of football, and he's healthy. And you got options. You, you kind of trust the offense. And you mentioned it, when DJ Durkin was there a couple years ago, they were a double-digit win team first time in a while. Like, I do think... The defense will get better, so I think Ole Miss is the pick there. By the way, uh, shout out to Linwood Battle in there. NC State, they are they should be a dark horse every year in the ACC. The job that Dave Doring has done, I think they're just constantly overlooked. I have an affinity for Mac Brown. I love Drake May. It's probably why <laughs> probably why I lean towards the Tar Heels there. But I'll like. NC State is a great dark horse pick every year in the ACC. And bringing in Brennan Armstrong and the of Robert and I, like we talked a lot about that, that could shake things up because we know their defense is going to be always going to be pretty stout. Plus, we have to be the official fan club of NC State basketball now. Uh, you got to show the Wolfpack uh, some love.
1: God, so excited to uh, to see your nephew out there balling with the pack. They've done work. I mean, it's a it's a good transfer portal class. Kevin Keats is tr- not, he's not trying to make this NCAA tournament thing an anomaly. He's trying to make this a regularity. We'll uh, we'll see your guy out there um, making I'm that happen. Ben. ben Middlebrooks, let's go, <laughs> Jay Billis. No more. He'll, he'll still can- take shots.
2: That's the good see. news. Like he can still take
1: shots. Not like he's going Pac-12 where Jay
2: won't get to call any of the games.
1: Yeah, he'll st- he'll still get plenty of uh, plenty of opportunities there. Okay, so in the Big Twelve, it can't be Texas. It can't be Oklahoma. Man, can it be
2: TCU again? Because <laughs> they're going to get overlooked. I saw um, the
1: FPI came out and
2: they're like twenty something, twenty five maybe. They're yeah. way down.
1: That makes total sense. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the other... Like, if FPI is a computer and the computer is always going to say, you won a bunch of one-score games. You know, you weren't blowing everybody out. You were coming up just on the right side. I've got UCF.
2: Ooh. That's a good one.
1: Like, they they come in. They've got a lot of experience back. I think Gus likes this team. I think he feels pretty good about uh, where they're at. And, um, you know, they could... This seems to be a theme as I was going through and doing this exercise, but you know I'm doing like first year head coaches, team in a new conference, but you know if you want to shake up the establishment, I think UCF's got a really good uh, opportunity there.
2: Uh, I'll say I don't love Tyler Shuck, so I'm curious to see. Like he's not been the most consistent quarterback. I'll say Texas Tech. I mean, quietly Joey McGuire kind of has a nice opening year. I think the Red Raiders could be flying under the radar, so I'll, th- I'll say they're my dark horse for the Big Twelve. I like the UCF selection, though. But I just wonder, like we've heard all along, how are you going to hold up in the gauntlet? You know, I I wonder if the Big 12, too, especially if Oklahoma and Texas don't dominate, if they're going to be, because we almost saw it last year. Like, you did see almost TCU almost got clipped against Baylor when they had the last second field goal. Like, I wonder if this is going to be a two-loss champion left out because there's a lot of good teams and you get nicked by somebody, kind of like the Pac-12 does every year. I have a a concern about that.
1: Cameron says, "Why not Kansas?" I think, well, obviously, like Jalen Daniels is back. Yeah, there's like not a a concern. You know that they're going to have an electric offense with a great uh, quarterback. I'm, I don't know. I I guess I've got to. Do I not believe it? No, he's already done amazing work. Um, I think that Kansas probably until I until I find a reason to. To break the ceiling, I think I will put a ceiling on sort of where they're at in the general Big 12 pecking order. And right. that might be fourth. But right. Like, TCU, we, had,
2: we had seen TCU knock on the door of the playoffs. And not that we have seen Texas Tech. So maybe you could say, hey, you could make an argument. Well, when's Texas Tech been great? I mean, when Mike Leach was there, they were, you know, 10, 11 wins. But I think it's a little bit of a stretch. I w- I could see a couple more wins eight you know 8 wins 8 and 4 being right. an incredible story too if they did uh if Tom was here he would tell you they can't because they play Illinois week 2 <laughs> it'll be too much to overcome because when you play Illinois they if you
1: lose they beat you twice right that's true that's true you can't it's the body blow theory people have been writing about the body blow theory after playing Illinois for years uh all right what about out in the Pac 12
2: who the heck's a dark horse here? With I, because like I, you know, I feel
1: about the quarterback play. Like I love the quarterback play. I there's four teams on the top tier. That's the problem, right? And I'm and by the, I'll, I'll go ahead and list it. I've got uh, USC, Utah, Oregon, and Washington as the top tier. I don't think any one of those four teams winning would be a dark horse. I'll say UCLA. Mm, UCLA is good. I'd Oregon State.
2: Oh, so you're, are, now, is that DJ Yungale's resurgence? Is
1: this him? And, and I like I like programs that do the gradual, you know, win a little bit, win a little bit more, win a little bit more, win a little bit more. And Jonathan Smith has kind of had the Beavers on that trajectory, throw in DJ U, then I'm at least... I'm at least able to um, paint a picture, right? I've been projecting what DJ Uyunglele is going to be for three years now. I've got all of the best of what he could be in my mind. And I think that, you know, he could get out there. Jonathan Smith, former quarterback, very good at coaching the offense and setting up his quarterback for success. Yeah, I had uh, Oregon State as the pick. But UCLA is in that next tier, too, where if you take off those four and I've got to grab something, then those those are probably the ones I would do. Shout out to Isaac
2: Terry in the chat said, Say Colorado for the headline. That would be a viral clip too if you wanted it. Like, yo, Colorado's going to shock the world. I might have considered Arizona, but have you seen? I don't know how Jed Fish feels about getting raided by USC, but they have three high profile transfers going west back to LA to play for USC. I. I don't know. I mean, and USC, by the way, Bear, Bear Alexander. That news probably could have led with that off the top. Visiting USC this weekend, like that, feels like it is the next Jordan Addison. The deal that's close to being done. I would be surprised if that doesn't happen here. You know, in the next week or two, that Barry Alexander goes from Georgia to USC. I mean, that they've got these. They have a new collective. They're spending money. They're going to address the defensive side of the ball. They had their defense has five guys on the two deep without bear Alexander that are all from power five schools that are coming in to upgrade the defense. And they're already the number one class in the transfer portal of our 24, seven sports transfer portal rankings. And then they could add bear Alexander. Like USC is going to be a player this year.
1: The um, Georgia has had players enter the transfer portal and then go back to Georgia. Yep. But I, I I I hope I do not. I'm not reporting this, but my understanding is that if you go and you look at Bear Alexander's like profile, they have already removed his like grant in a, like they, Georgia, from the bookkeeping standpoint, the way that I understand it, is not planning on Bear Alexander returning. And it, it is not like a, you're not allowed to return. It is a, no, he's gone. We don't think he's, he's coming back.
2: And I think that's actually smart because, the, the offensive lineman was in Tallahassee. I mean, there was a Florida State was in the mix for the offensive lineman. I forget his name. He was, you know, he had entered the portal and he went back to Georgia. But at some point, if you're Georgie, you kind of have to send a message to your own team. Like, we can't just get played every year. You yeah. know, we know you guys want to make money. We have, we were, we are going to take care of you, but we're not going to get played. I think that might be one of those cases for Georgia. And I'm there's I'm sure there's some players that they'll value and they'll say we will match whatever's out there. But at some point, they do have to be willing to take a stand.
1: Coming up on the other side, more of your questions
3: and our answers next. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. This is Sandra Oreta from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the Winter Transfer Window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third.
1: CBS Sports Galazzo Network is the first of its kind free 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer coverage, and it is now streaming on CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount+. Plus. Get your morning started off on the right foot with Morning Footy, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Plus, Don't forget the rest of our top notch programming, including live matches and re airs, original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and much more. The CBS Sports Galazzo Network streaming 24 7 on the CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount Plus. Also, oh, yeah, a great note from, uh, from producer Jordan in the chat. Bear Alexander's dad was at USC Spring Game.
2: So, yeah. That's it. <laughs> it does feel like a done deal. I mean, it does. It feels a lot like Jordan Addison, you know, and it's similar, like, and, and even a better situation than Jordan Addison was coming off his incredible year. Um, you know, it's, it's that's life college football.
1: The um the timing of it, you know, is probably like it's after spring practice, not before spring practice. It's USC. You know, the bag was secured. Yada, yada. Uh, on Twitter. We asked for questions because, yes, you can give us a five-star review and put your question in that review, but we will also uh, ask for questions on social media or you can email them to us as well. But this question is from Twitter. It is from Izzos. Uh, Nebraska had won national championships running the option, and most recently, Paul Johnson ran the option effectively at Georgia Tech. Will we see another champion that runs the option?
2: I'd never say never, and we've had some fun with this. I know our buddy Tom has always said, I wish somebody would do it. I kind of wish somebody would do it at a top-tier program. You know, now it's the academies, right? They most exclusively are the only ones that do it. I'll say this, though, Chip. More teams run a lot of option principles than we're aware of. Yeah, like if you really dive deep into some of the zone read option plays with a quarterbacks in the shotgun and he's able to throw and they might throw it 25 times a game, but a lot of times they'll run that read option. A lot of the principles are the same as they triple option. Um, You know, they put it in the belly of the back. Who's next to you while he's running towards the line of scrimmage. And you're reading that end man on the line of scrimmage. Does he crash? And if he does, you keep it. And then there's a pass option. Like there are a lot of principles from the old school option I just don't know how it sells in recruiting. Like I think that's the area that you could see a team struggle. And that was something that Paul Johnson always struggled with getting top tier recruits, especially at the quarterback position. And I, I do think too, like that's why I think it's evolved to a place where you do put the quarterback in the gun and you do let him throw 25, 30 times a game because the rules benefit you. They 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 encourage you to throw the football more than ever before. So I don't think we ever see, I'll never say never. I don't think we see it, but I think if you look closely in a lot of systems, you still see them run the principles.
1: Right, and you know that is like, thank you very much for explaining. That is the football side of this, is you still have your key defenders. You still have like, on these plays, we're going to be reading them the same way that we would be. I'm going to say no, and I'll go a step further. I think we see the academies run less option in the future. I think we're going to see them start to modernize their offenses just a little bit, and some of it is the rules where they can still use option principles that allow them to – because in my mind running the option is a way that you neutralize a size disadvantage that when army and Navy are competing at the highest levels of college football, they have inherent size disadvantages that go along with being a, an at the Academy. Like there's heights and weights that you can and cannot have uh, in order to be at the Academy. And so at least that's my understanding of it. If I'm wrong, I apologize. Feel free to, uh, to inform me of that. But I think that we will see, RPOs. I think we will see Army and Navy try to get quarterbacks that can throw the ball and then incorporate some of those same option principles. So yeah, I don't think we see an option championship team and you're definitely right. Option is still all over modern college football, but I think we even see the Army and Army and Navy start to modernize just a little bit.
2: Their trick is like the size and speed disparity on the outside is one thing, But it's hard for them to get the big offensive linemen because of the training and the regimens they go through. Like, so that's the biggest difference. If you watch Army, Navy play and you're like, the linemen are small because they have to do, like, they have to meet physical criteria and they have to train and do PT. So it's hard for them to keep the weight on. That's why I do think they want to keep cutting. Like, that's, you want to talk about neutralizing the size advantage. It's like you can cut down a massive tree, you got the right axe and you got the right, like, they cut block you to death now, but they are starting to you know eliminate some of those ch- uh, chop blocks and cut blocks, so that might be something that they're forced to do.
1: That's what I was. Uh, I think that someone led me down that um, rabbit hole where they said because of the way that they are changing the rules with cut blocks, eventually army and navy are going to have to build in some other wrinkles to their offense. So uh, thank you so much for the question, Izzos. Uh, this next one. Also came from social media. Can Michigan State return to 2021 form? Yes.
2: I don't know if it's going to be this year, but as long as they have not one, but two NBA owner boosters, right? Stan Snyder and the guy that just bought the Suns, I forget his name, and they actually hate each other. I don't know if you follow the story at all. No, like they amazing. compete it's, it's amazing. More. Like and they're in the same mortgage business. They're like the same industry and they hate each other, but they both love Michigan State and they have funded a ton of the basketball side, like the locker room, the st- like there's a ton of money that's there. And, and it's all about talent acquisition. And we saw the way Mel Tucker kind of captured lightning in the bottle with Kenneth Walker III and finding the right guys. It was a pretty drastic disappointment, though, last year. But I think as long as they're a player in the NIL game, which I ex- ex- I would expect that to resume and to continue, they get the right players, they can do it. I don't think they'll be an annual you know, contender for the playoff, but I think just like they were a couple years ago, if they get things right, get the right players, they could be. And that's where that's where Mark Dantonio had them. Yeah, you know, they were they were always in the mix and I I think it gets a little bit more challenging um but I think they'll still I think they'll always be in the top tier. I think they'll be back to the top not always because they weren't last year. I think they'll be in the top tier of the Big 10 because they'll be able to accumulate the talent.
1: I think that Michigan State in 2021 might be as good as it gets. Might be we'll see. I mean, expanded in an expanded playoff, the 2021 team gets to go to the playoff and then, Hey, you know, who knows, just roll the balls out there. See if you can go win a couple games and, and, you know, create even more of a memorable season, but it's really tough when Ohio state is operating at peak efficiency, which I would say it is. And Michigan is operating at peak efficiency, which it is. And Penn state, which sure seems to be operating at peak efficiency. It's just really, really tough to be able to recapture where you're sitting there at the very top of the conference and competing for conference championships. They are, um, you mentioned the NIL side of things. They, they've got resources. Mel Tucker is a great recruiter. And I, I would need to go back to look at my, you know, obviously horrific end to the locks last year. So I, you know, take, take whatever I say with uh, all of the grains of salt, but even as they were losing a bunch, they weren't quitting. Right. Michigan State became one of those teams where because they were so banged up and like so hurt in the middle of the year that I remember that as they started to get a little bit healthier, the season was lost they were still competing. And that to me was one of those things that I always like to take note of, not just because, Hey, you get an underdog with a little bit of value, but also because you know that for the coach, the coaching staff, the like, I mean, there's the buzzword, the culture of the program and of the locker room that even when the season is lost after the highs of 2021, they didn't quit coming down the stretch in 2022. So, I, I think that's an encouraging sign that you are going to at least see something closer to 2021 than 2022 moving forward. All right. This next question, who could replace Neil Brown if West Virginia moves on after 2023?
2: I hmm. hit would Jimbo Fisher <laughs> come back home. Let's do it. Boy, it fit in perfectly.
1: I, I mean, if, if they go six and six, you know, you just want to be like, just get out ahead of it. But I think he's, I think that buyout number is still pretty big. Yeah, he would. Uh,
2: it's still going to be like seventy, right? Or seventy-five. Like it's, it's not even in it. Um, what about Jamie Chadwell? Like, if he goes to Liberty, lights it up, still in the same, and he feels like a good fit. I don't know why. I think he could win at West Virginia. I think he'd be, but like he, I mean, that was an. I don't want to say odd, but it seemed like he was in line for a bigger job. He might just want to coach at Liberty for the next 10 years. Like he might be that line of thinking and Liberty can pay and mm-hmm. if you have got job security, but I do think, you know, in staying in the region, I think it can make some sense, especially if he has, you know, if he goes to Liberty and I would expect them to be pretty good. I mean, they're going to dominate um the Conference USA. Yeah, they should. And if he's like you could see him being 11 and 1 or something like that. I mean, I could see him being in the mix.
1: No looking. Do you know how old Jamie Chadwell is? Forty three. Ah, very good. Forty six. Somebody in the chat um, when we were doing the top fifteen coaches under forty with Dennis Dodd, they're like, "Where's Jamie Chadwell? How old is Jamie Chadwell?" <laughs> a lot of Jamie Chadwell buzz. He's a good looking forty six.
2: Yeah, he keeps he, good. Tra- he keeps, keeps good ter- uh, care of himself, even with yeah, the exactly. more and the stash and everything else. But that's why I think he fits right in at West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> he just roll it back out. He'd be perfect.
1: Um. Okay. Let's see this one from the oh, chat. A
2: couple of Cameron B put a couple good ones in there. Manny Diaz, I think he would, you know, if he succeeds it, if he's in the, like if Penn state is a, you know, a story this year in the big 10 and their defense dominates, I think Manny Diaz would be back in the discussion as a head coaching candidate. And then I thought Garrett Riley will be probably pegged for any school. If Clemson goes and the offense has a resurgence and, you know, uh, um, um, your guy, uh what's his what's the quarterback's name? Why can't I can't think of his name. Cade Klubnick, Cade Klubnick. I was thinking Cole Kublick, and I was like, it's not <laughs> Cole Kublik. I know we just had him, it's not Kate Klubnick. If he goes out there and balls, like I could see Garrett Riley being one of those highly sought-after, you know, coaches. So I think he'd be a good suggestion too.
1: Donnie in the chat also uh, mentioning Kurt Signetti, uh, who is the head coach right now at JMU. Um, that would be a, a, another great option there. But yeah, I I'm with you that Manny Diaz, I think is going to be a a popular name because I think Penn state's defense is going to be a problem this year. And, uh, and that'll, that'll create a lot of buzz around him for sure. All right, this, I will do one more, this one from the chat, and by the way, he's kind of like, he's kind of like Tom Herman at Texas. Like if you look at
2: Miami, uh, Manny at Miami, like he was all right. Like they took a step back after he left, like, you can sell yourself. You know what? I was pretty good. The expectations might have been way too high for me, but I can win at a lot of places. I think that's, you know, it's a good suggestion.
1: He recruited Tyler Van Dyke. He hired Rhett Lashley. Like, he, right. it that was Tyler Van Dyke's best year was Manny Diaz's last year. He mm-hmm. was the ACC rookie of the year. He was pushing the ball down the field, phenomenal performance. And that's what made him, to your point from the very beginning of the show, like mock draft top 10 kind of pick. Um, all right. This next last question from the uh the chat. Beach Wine Guy says, for years, Sark has been touted as this fantastic coach, but more often than not, when he's been the head coach, his team has underperformed. What why should I think that Texas won't do the same this year?
3: I, I mean, will say Texas, that's a
1: Texas thing as I mean, going back to right. Tom Herman and Charlie Strong and late era Mac Brown, like the the underperformance to me. Um, is more of a Texas than a Sark. I thought that at Washington, the, the joke was seven win Sark, but given where the program was when he took over, which was in the depths, he did a little bit of restoration to that Washington program. And at USC, because of the way it ended with the personal struggles, I, you're going to end up looking at it through a different lens. I mean, you just can't help yourself. I, I think this is more of a Texas thing than a Sark thing.
2: Did you see the article the Athletic put together where they were they were looking for the best developers of talent? So like the three star U was what they were looking for, like the most players drafted from the lowest star ratings. And then they also tracked who has underperformed the most with the most talent. And it was Texas and Oklahoma competing for the worst spots, ah. like the most five stars. And only I think it t- they were both like very similar. It was like twenty five percent of their five stars. Get drafted the NFL and Oklahoma was like twenty seven percent. Like it was, it was a quarter of the five stars that come in there actually get drafted uh, to where they want to be. It was, it was pretty astounding. But you, that just goes to your point that it's a Texas problem. Like every every time they have a top five class, and you are like, ooh, this could mean big things. I am like, well, to so the question, what is going to change? They've always had like top five, top ten recruiting classes, and it hasn't always delivered. So I totally agree with you. I think this is more of a Sark thing. Um, why won't why should I think that Texas won't do the same this year? You're right to think that they probably would underwhelm this year. It would be more of a an, an anomaly if they did actually play up to fruition.
1: which, by the way, I'm picking Texas to go to the playoff. I'm just gonna like, <laughs> all in. I'm all in. I'm I'm gonna sign up. I am back. I am back to get hooked on it. I am ready to have my heart broken uh, once again. Thanks so much to everybody for hanging out. And again, if you want to put a question in a future mailbag episode, leave us a five-star review. And in that review, put your question. We will tackle it in a future mailbag episode. And you can follow him on Twitter at Danny Connell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Danny, thank you very much.
2: Have a good weekend.
0: Ready? Go. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go go go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The worlds coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning, now streaming on Paramount Plus. Rated PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.